We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to another edition of the Dynasty Command Center podcast, home of the biggest edge in Dynasty fantasy football. My name is Travis May, and I am joined by my favorite co-host, Curtis Patrick. He is the Dynasty coordinator at uh, Rotoviz. I am the Debbie coordinator at Rotoviz. Uh, basically, what we do is uh, we handle all things college, NFL draft, and uh, Dynasty and things like that for Rotoviz. We're going to be tackling a whole bunch of fun stuff this summer and already have some this spring with a bunch of these rookies, but uh, we're going to continue that because the NFL draft is just about a week away. And last week, if you were with us, uh, we pumped a few running back one candidates, but this week it's all about top wide receivers and what they can possibly do to solidify their first round rookie draft status and who we think might actually be the wide receiver one based on some comps or their production or or uh, whatever else we've found about these guys. But first, Curtis, NFL Draft is, you know, next week. By the time this show's out, it's actually probably going to be less than a week away. What are you doing to prep for it right now? I'm just trying to figure out who's actually going to watch this thing with me. Uh, there's been so much, um, there's been so much, I guess, chatter about some of the fantasy or skill players dropping out of the first round, and that the first round, that primetime event, might be a little bit boring uh, for fantasy owners, uh, dynasty players. And I'm hearing a lot of people saying, eh, I'm going to go to the movies that night because a certain um, big flick is debuting next <laughs> yeah, Thursday. Whatever that is. Uh, to compete. <laughs> who, who plans this stuff? Seriously. Yeah, they didn't. Um, yeah, yeah, they, they clearly didn't. Um, you don't want to take on the NFL in prime time. But anyway, uh, in, in all seriousness, very, very pumped. Um, even if no fantasy prominent players went in the first round i would still love the event i love that it's the red carpet with athletes and i get so excited about 
um, thinking what these young players, uh, you know, what must be going through their minds when their name's called and they got their mm-hmm. whole life ahead of them and they're achieving these goals. And I love hearing the backstories and seeing the families, you know, with the kids in the green room. So just very, very pumped for the NFL draft. And as somebody who's been trying to evaluate and, and do my best job of sorting these these rookies into uh, the different tiers and, and uh, assigning these different values of where I want to take them. This is the payoff. This is what all the work's been for. Um, how good was your prep? How good were you at projecting where these guys will go and, and drafting them uh, in dynasty leagues that select before the NFL draft? So hmm. very, very pumped. If you can't tell, uh, it can't get here fast enough. Oh, I know. And, and the fact that it's in Nashville and I get to be here and it's, I mean, it, the, the main stage is, is legit like a mile from where I work. And I'm actually taking off, off work to go to some of the festivities, actually going with a former co-host of mine, Justin McCaslin, who's coming in to town. So that's going to be a blast just kind of hanging out all over Nashville, going to a bunch of fun stuff and maybe uh, trying to run a 40 just to see how slow I've gotten over the years. Uh, so we'll we'll see how that goes. I, I, I don't even really think i want to know but i'm just gonna park in my you know work garage and head downtown and hang out there basically all day so yeah just can't wait i demand video of that 40 <laughs> I, I will i will put my best broadcaster voice on and and give the play-by-play but uh tell justin he's got to get some video if, if you decide to take that on yeah if, if i decide to take it on i'm gonna wear like uh like some like my old cross-country shorts like get and get some <laughs> Get some get some cleats or something. I, I wouldn't. That wouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. If you're gonna do something, you got to go all the way. So. Yeah. Aggressive stretching routine. Oh yeah. You Super know. Aggressive. Yeah. Super aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um. Hey. Bef- before you uh, tease the episode, I do want to give uh, a second shout out um, to the the band that recorded our our new intro track. It's the Gigamen. You can follow them at Gigamen Official on Twitter. Uh, these guys are great. They cover old uh, Nintendo Entertainment System. That's the original NES from the 80s. They cover old games uh, in their soundtracks, but they, they metalize them uh, and, and make them uh, high, high energy and transferable to the year 2019. So uh, we've got some tunes from Mega Man 2, one of my all-time favorite games, as our intro track. So thank you to the Giga Men. Nice, nice. I mean, metalize, that, that should be... That should be a, like a, an album or a band, and just in general, like the name right there. So, metalizing—that's word of the day. Here. Free idea. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Whoever's listening, if you got a metal band, there you go. It's free. Uh, we we might charge, but anyway. So one thing I want to kind of talk about before we really jump in and take a look at these guys is uh, one thing I've noticed, and you probably noticed the same, Curtis. Over the years, dynasty takes on these wide receivers and. Real draft takes on wide receivers can sometimes be, be very different pre-draft, and they, they kind of somewhat meld together because of like we build so much emphasis is surrounding you know actual draft capital with these guys. So you know they kind of mesh after the draft, but it's so interesting to see uh, some polarizing names up at the top. Like you know it, we we've loved Nikhil Harry, AJ Brown, uh, DK Metcalf, and even like Kelvin Harmon and JJ Arcega Whiteside, and even you know recently Hakeem Butler. Uh, for a while now uh, as a dynasty community. But then, you know, the the real draft people want to pump Marquise Hollywood Brown as potentially the wide receiver one. And we're like, hold up, hold up. That would be a historical outlier, blah, 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 all these production metrics that actually matter, but obviously don't necessarily matter to a bunch of 
uh, NFL draft analysts that are uh, heavily influenced by film analysis and things like that, or even even Miles Boykin, who's getting hype lately. Uh, so I, I we'll probably get to some, you know some of these guys, but I really just want to talk about the why um, some of these guys might hit and the why behind you know uh, you know who they comp to tonight, and so really looking forward to tonight's discussion because. Uh, I think the real draft capital is going to paint a little bit clearer picture for us, but I, I don't know what actually needs to happen to make any one of these guys a wide receiver one because there's so many guys that are in the conversation uh, for real draft and dynasty draft purposes. Uh, it's just a weird class given the depth. But Curtis, before we jump into that and get deeper uh, into that, how about a word from our fantastic sponsor, the FFPC? Okay, Travis. Well, our friends at the FFPC are the world's largest Dynasty League commissioner, and they have brand new startup Dynasty Leagues forming right now at $77 and at $250 annual entry fees. You can play PPR uh, standard rosters. You can play Superflex. You can even play Dynasty Best Ball. They still have just a couple orphan teams left, and they've severely discounted those teams to ensure ownership occurs quickly. If you're ready to draft in some redraft best ball leagues, FFPC has you covered with drafts filling daily starting at just $35 each. Go to myffpc.com. That's M-Y-F-F-P-C.com. The home of season-long high-stakes fantasy football. And just a reminder, all new subscribers to Dynasty Command Center uh, and our Slack get a $35 league credit applicable to any Dynasty League fee $77 or higher. I'm doing three Dynasty League startups on the FFPC platform. We just added an FFPC channel in the Slack. It's going to be a major part of what we're doing moving forward. So uh, join myself, Travis, Ryan McDowell, TJ, and the rest of the gang playing on FFPC. Yeah, man. FFPC is just, it's continuing to grow, just blowing up. So I can't wait to see uh, what the future holds there for them and for all of us that are going to be playing there. But let's jump into Nikhil Harry because that's that's been the Devi and Dynasty darling of wide receivers really ever since he kind of came on to, you know, well, into our consciousness as a freshman at uh, Arizona State. Uh, he's got the size, you know, he looks, he's, he's got the muscles, he's got the breakout age, he's got a bunch of things going for his profile. So I'm curious, you know, last week we kind of, you know, talked about production and some comps for players. What, what kind of draft capital for Nikhil Harry does he need to be, you know, the wide receiver one or to project well for the NFL for you? Well, one of my favorite tools over the last uh, couple weeks um, to do this type of uh, analysis has been the Rotoviz Box Score Scout because the Box Score Scout takes into account college production and some of the combine athletic measurables that uh, that we got back in, in Indianapolis. Um, so it paints a good overall picture of what a prospect's profile is, and then you can assign draft capital to those things. Um, I think most of our listeners kind of know the history of the production uh, and the athleticism for these players now. So when you go around, uh, when you go into that tool, the box score scout, and you start assigning different um, draft capital, it takes basically until like the fifth round for Nikhil Harry's comps to become gross. Um, in other words, I mean, 
just from a profile perspective, he's he's basically invincible. I mean, if he goes, it, I, I really don't see any scenario where realistically he's he's dropping beyond round two. Um, and so if he is in round one or round two, um, I, I mean, he's basically a draft with confidence guy. Um, I, I think that's why so many have kept him atop their their dynasty rookie rankings throughout the process, even though different guys have popped up as kind of the uh, flash in the pan name of the week when we've got a new uh, measurable or uh, an interview or new coach saying that they like this player. Nikhil Harry's been there all along, and it, and and he's you know really deserving of that. The the age nineteen breakout age and everything that's happened after that, um, very very deserving of that uh, number one spot uh, that so many have given to him. Oh yeah, I mean there, there's almost no questions in his entire production profile. If you want to look at sticky metrics that mean something, I mean if you look at draft age, well he's going to be a plus there. If you, if you look at his dominator rating, well he's going to be a plus there. If you look at you know what we've recently kind of found out more about yards per team pass attempt, touchdown per team per team pass attempt, even for like players that have already made it to the NFL, he's above average there. He just it, just go down the line, check that box, check that box, check that box. There's so many. Uh, meaningful bits of information in his profile. It's hard to to assume he's going to miss. And and if he if, hey if he's invincible, I, I it's hard to say that he's not the wide receiver one. Is he your wide receiver one pre draft right now? Because I know it's kind of changed for me, and I know it's changed for you. Given this information that you just shared, would he be your your one? Yeah, he he is. Um... There was a, a slight period of time after the combine where I had kind of changed uh, how I had players ranked in my top tier, um, but I've I've settled back on Harry, which is is where it all began, and and you know that it's just not going to change at this point as long as he's drafted inside the first two rounds. I'm, I'm not going to flinch. I mean, you can put me on the record. Yeah. If he if he goes before the end of the second round, he's staying number one wide receiver on my board, and uh, just to kind of illustrate how invincible his profile is. Let's let's say the unlikely happens and he slides to the end of the third round. Here are th- this is still his top 10 comp list with end of third round draft capital. Kenny Galladay becomes his his number 1 comp, followed by Alshon Jeffrey, Allen Robinson, Mohamed Sanu, who even though that's not a name like the three above him, still been a very productive player over the course of his career. Oh yeah. Juju Smith-Schuster, Amara Darbo, First kind of blemish there. Keenan Allen, Michael Thomas, and then uh, Pharaoh Cooper and Cody Latimer rounded out. So basically six smash comps, even with late third round um, draft uh, capital there for Nikhil Harry. So I, I don't think there's much else to say. Yeah. The film people don't necessarily like a few things and then they try to pick Harry apart. And no player is perfect, but Harry answers just so many questions. It's hard not to have him atop your list or very, very near it. But let's move on to another guy. I know a lot of people like uh, some people I've heard that, uh, you know, worry about his game against, you know, in terms of press coverage, he doesn't have a whole lot of reps there or whatever it is uh, that uh, people don't like about AJ Brown, but I really like AJ Brown. He, I feel like it just from what you can glean objectively from film, he's a pretty safe option as far as route running goes. Uh, and his usage inside and out and being even more effective on the outside than his teammate DK Metcalf. Uh, but where where would he have to go in terms of draft capital or even just landing spot for you to kind of usurp Harry or maybe just maintain that either or kind of wide receiver one 
uh, tandem, a 1A, 1B situation with Harry? It's, it's given get the discussion that we just had on Harry, um, it would be very difficult. I mean, yeah. Harry would have to basically slide out of the top two rounds, and A.J. Brown probably has to go to a desirable landing spot in the first round. I mean, I think he's going to need the draft capital advantage over Harry for me to change my mind. And a couple teams that have been rumored to be sniffing around this player are the Colts, uh, have been rumored to have some interest there. Um, that's interesting to me because he would be able to mature uh, behind T.Y. Hilton and not have to be the guy right away. Colts can continue to be a high-volume uh, passing offense with Andrew Luck just entering his quarterback prime in his early 30s. So um, that would be interesting to me. But that's probably about the, the only scenario. Maybe if, if Pittsburgh, um, A.J. Brown, you know, with the thicker build, maybe he'd be a fit in Pittsburgh. So first round there could also be interesting. But um, to actually usurp Harry, unlikely. Um, I do have Brown as my number two. Yeah. And as long as he uh, is insulated from a slide, um, that probably does not change either. Yeah, and I, I think he has to be top two, top three uh, for for me. And I think most people have him in that conversation. He's been rising slowly over the past uh, few months as people have, have taken a closer look. And again, I want to reiterate, he's not just a slot guy. If you look at his usage, his percentage usage this year, obviously part of it was just by necessity, but you know, when DK Metcalf went down with an injury, but uh, his splits in the eight game sample that I took a look at, and I, I kind of ran this down a, a little bit more in depth in the, uh, you know, the rookie guide that we put out and third volume is actually going to be dropping here soon, but he was, you know, about 40% slot, right? About 20% slot left, about a third of the time left wide receiver and a little bit sparingly at right wide receiver. Uh, but uh, he does a lot of things well. I mean, if you like film analysis, he, he's, he's a fun guy because he just does everything. But outside wide receiver, his deep in routes and even his post game uh, is, is a lot of fun. And he's not just the in routes and out routes uh, that he, he can do from the slot. There's a lot more to him. But uh, from a metric standpoint, his, his profile is definitely not as strong as Harry. But I, I really like Brown, and so I hope... Hope he gets the draft capital that he deserves. And if he is a first rounder, I'd have to say he's an absolute lock uh, for top two, top three wide receiver in this class. But his teammate, DK Metcalf, what happens to his profile if he's not like, let's just say, a first round pick? It, his DK's comps get pretty darn ugly um, if, if he's not a first round pick. And, and really not even just a first round pick. He basically needs like the top 10 to have good comps in, in terms of the, the box score scout. And, you know, this isn't the be all end all tool. It's a good tool. I really like this tool, but um, to even get somebody like Sammy Watkins in as a comp, you know, he's going to need that top 10, top 15 draft draft capital. Otherwise uh, it starts to pull in these players who are uber athletic that uh, were drafted later. Um, the, the box score scout loves to bring Chris Conley up and the uh, conversation for DK is soon as we get him out of the the first half of the first round, so um, and and I think I think that's honestly fair. Um, what we're saying about DK is he's big, he's strong, he's fast, and even if his technique isn't uh, on point, who can really cover that? If he can stay healthy, he's just going to be able to bully people. Yeah, um, he won't have to be perfect. Um, but if some of these wide receivers that are more skilled go above the incredible, almost historical level 
uh, combine performance that Metcalf had, that would start to raise into question, I think, how NFL teams are valuing that. Uh, or, or really, um, it, it almost implies the importance that they're assigning to the technical skills of the players drafted in front of him. Um, and so it, it starts to bring in a lot of different questions in the narrative of maybe why he would slide. So I, I've got to see, really got to see top half of the first round draft capital for DK for him to have, I guess, maybe any chance of, of overtaking A.J. Brown. We've, we've kind of locked in and said Harry and Brown are one, two here. If that's the next question you want to ask, DK's got to have that top half uh, first round to even have a chance. And, you know, there's a, I mean, we're not discounting the fact that it, that might actually be deemed like, likely uh, by a lot of people. I think a lot of people think there's a good chance he's still going to be an early first just because of that ridiculous size speed combo. And so if that does happen, I think that he's going to be in the conversation for the wide receiver one overall if he's a top 10 type guy just because of people's you know they, they love the safety of that top 10 pick they love the ridiculous athleticism that he brings they love the pictures that were posted on twitter and instagram for weeks at a time uh of him just being a, a ripped human being uh, but I, I yeah the film is a little bit uh i don't know it depends on who you ask really because if you want a guy who runs a route tree then that's, that's not your guy but if you want a guy that, that beats press coverage and gets vertical and, and just destroys people and bullies them he's your guy so he's a mixed bag. He's a boom bust type player. I don't think there's. I don't think he's going to have much of an in between to his career. He's either going to become an absolute freak, or he's going to completely flame out. I don't think there's really going to be much in between there with DK. But I I hope he succeeds because I he would he would just be incredibly fun if he dominates uh, similarly in in the deep game and maybe develops something else <laughs> somewhere along the line too. But uh, yeah, that, that's interesting that his comps get basically gross outside the top 10 picks. Another guy who's kind of, you know, just leaped into the forefront of our minds and, and really uh, lots of big name analysts are, are saying that Hakeem Butler is worthy of our adoration and is uh, perhaps one of the best profiles of a wide receiver in, in recent memory. Uh, but as far as his breakout age goes and in terms of, uh, you know, being productive at an early age, that didn't exactly work out. Uh, and but I, I think and this may be common knowledge to, to some people who've been really following along throughout the rookie draft season. But if you haven't, Hakeem Butler, I mean, his story is kind of not typical for your, uh, you know, your your usual wide receiver stud like DK Metcalf and AJ Brown and even Akil Harry were, you know, four or five star guys coming out of high school. They, they followed a very normal trajectory in their, their college career. But Hakeem Butler Sadly, uh, his story, I mean, it was, it was kind of weird with his, his um, high school production because actually his, his mother passed away when he was uh, in early high school, and he ended up moving uh, to Texas. And because of transfer rules, he ended up not being able to play varsity football until he was basically a senior. And because of that, obviously you're not going to get the same looks from recruiting uh, the recruiting circle. Uh, so he actually had to kind of settle in at Iowa State and was redshirted because, I mean, let's be frank, he was probably incredibly raw. And then by the time he actually came in and, and got some production, uh, you know, Alan Lazard was already kind of the established two-year starter and star, like star on the team. So he wasn't really given a huge opportunity. But when he finally was, he had an absolutely ridiculous final season with uh, Iowa State, uh, having posting a 43 
percent dominator rating, uh, which is just incredible. Uh, we would like to see that earlier at you know at Rotoviz or anybody that really pays attention to um, you know breakout and the importance of breakout age. But really, his his final season numbers from a yards per team pass attempt for touchdown per team pass attempt, virtually everything that is shown to have a, a pretty good statistical like positive score <laughs> for NFL success. I checked everything at the last second. So I wonder, though, if, if you kind of put him in the, into the box score scout, regardless of, obviously, it won't account for this context that I've just kind of shared, but what, what does he look like if he drops to, like, round three? Because uh, I know he could be an, a late first. He could be a mid-second, uh, but we really don't know because he just kind of vaulted up into this discussion this spring. So what happens to his profile at, at various ranges for you? Okay, so uh, the bottom line is Butler needs to be drafted in in the top two rounds um, to have uh, e- even a mixed bag, um, a mixed bag group of of comps here. Because if he goes to round three, his closest three comps, no matter what I do in round three, Amara Darbo, Cody Latimer, or Darius Stewart. I mean, it just just in, insert yeah. like. Uh, puke sound effect because that's I mean you couldn't come up with a group of bigger whiffs um, and I guarantee among listeners all of you liked at least one of these players when they're coming out Dar- <laughs> Darbo Latimer and Stewart definitely had their share of fans um, but you know if if he goes let's say by the middle of round two so like pick 45 we can get some glimmer of ceiling into his top 10 comps uh, Michael Thomas shows up as number three, Sammy Watkins as number six. So you get a little bit of hope there, but still you're pulling in other names like Farrow Cooper and Terrence Williams in that data set as well, even in mid-round two. Yeah. So um, for, for me, the context is important, and I and I can appreciate you know a later breakout because a player was raw. I mean, we make that excuse for you know players converting to tight end all the time. Um, seems like that's the position where we make this excuse most often, but. Um, you know, within that context, even if he was raw, he was still a big, fast dude uh, mm-hmm. that should have been able to get on the field, um, I, no matter how raw he was. I mean, his first year there, he was he was redshirted. The team's wide receiver two was Quentin Bundrage. I've never literally heard that name before until I did this research, <laughs> and and he uh, did not. You know, he didn't claim the market share lead until you mentioned Alan Lazard. I mean, Alan Lazard was a fine college player, but the the reality is he's an undrafted free agent uh, in the NFL. Okay, so he he put up production in the week Big Twelve because he was the de facto wide receiver one, not necessarily because he was an uh, amazing talent. And Butler still, it took him you know until Lazard's gone to claim that role. So you can you could almost make an argument that. You know, he was slotted into a market share friendly role on a team in a weak conference and that he's better than Alan Lazard. So if he's better than Alan Lazard, then that means, you know, the, the bar is somewhere above undrafted free agent. So, you know, I'm not I'm not saying that's <laughs> what I think about Hakeem Butler. Yeah. You know, I, I think that, you know, he he clearly pops for anybody that wants to watch him. Um, but I think, you know, it's a big leap to put him over some of these guys who have the early breakouts in uh, more difficult conferences 
um, who we don't have to make the excuses for. And so um, if, if Butler doesn't get that top 64 billing, um, going to be harder for me to keep him in the second tier of my wide receiver group. Yeah, and that's fair. I think that he would you would assume he, he should be able to break that given what he was able to do in his final year and given the buzz here recently. But if he does miss that, that's incredibly alarming. And there's going to be one or two of these guys that do just miss on draft capital that we thought were going to get it. So hopefully he maintains that uh, top two round draft capital. Otherwise, probably a red flag for Hakeem Butler here in the very near future. But before we just jump into any more names and talk about even a few of the guys that, you know, in a real NFL guys like maybe more so than uh, us uh, nerds behind the microphone here, uh, let's hear a word from our other sponsor, uh, Yahoo Sports. Okay, everybody. Well, this is the year to begin your Yahoo DFS journey. The Yahoo Daily Fantasy Sports platform is unlike what you'll see from the other big box brands. Their GPP contests have max entry limits of 10 per player, and their quick match feature pairs up users with similar experience and win-loss records to ensure you'll never go head-to-head with people uh, that are much more skilled than you at DFS. There's not going to be sharks gobbling up your head-to-heads unless you want them to. The lobby's always full of baseball, basketball, hockey, and my personal favorite this time of year, PGA DFS contest. You can try your hand at Yahoo DFS with $25 free on us just by using our promo code VIZ25. That's V-I-Z-25 with your first deposit. Go to yahoo.com slash daily fantasy today to start your journey. You could be the next big winner. By the way, that reminds me, how did you do in that PGA contest? Did you actually enter in? Did you uh, win all the money or... Or did you uh, let everyone take it from you? Th- th- those are off the record matters, my friend. <laughs> oh, I was trying to trap you. <laughs> trying to trap hey, you. Hey, oh, hey, hey, for real, Matt, Matt Jones, um, lead PGA uh, writer for us at Rotoviz, his, his models just smash. I, I will say that. Um, y- y- you are going to want to read his free PGA content uh, for Yahoo um, e- every week. It- it's must read if you're going to give this a shot. Nice. So that's good to, good to know because I'm not the expert. If you want to listen to prime PGA expertise, that is not me. I can name probably you know ten golfers, and I would not be able to pick them out by their headshot picture. Uh, but that's okay. That's a, that's not my specialty. But that's not why you're listening to the podcast. Uh, you're hearing uh, all this information uh, from us because uh, you think we know what we're talking about when it comes to the NFL. But speaking of that, Hollywood Brown, Marquise Hollywood Brown, cousin of the. Antonio Yellow Mustache Brown. Uh, he, you know, people like him a lot in the NFL. I've, I've seen uh, some pretty big, longtime NFL analysts putting putting him as the wide receiver one. And really, they've been doing that for months now. Uh, and, you know, here at, uh, you know, on this podcast and, and really on Draft Twitter, where we like to pick apart his weight. Uh, and uh, maybe his breakout age because he played Juco for a bit, College of the Canyons, and we make fun of that. But can we really keep ignoring him if he gets, let's just say he's the wide receiver one in the NFL draft. He's, he's taken first, ahead of DK, ahead of Harry, ahead of Brown, ahead of, ahead of Butler, ahead of all these guys that we think we know are really good. Uh, what happens then to his profile? Well, we talked about this a little bit before the pod. You know, where do we think he would actually need to go 
to actually be drafted first. So that's going to mean, you know, DK is going to slide a little bit. And we came up just with around, you know, number 20. Well, if we if we give Hollywood Brown a draft a spot of 20, hit the ceiling comps in his top 10 are really tantalizing. In particular, Brandon Cooks, um, I, I think, feels like a, a player that you can squint and see there. Uh, Odo Beckham Jr. shows up in that top 10. You also get Will Fuller. Uh, and John Ross, who um, you know hasn't broken out in the NFL, but I think from a from a size, uh, skill set, and draft capital, it makes sense uh, to see him him showing up there. So if Hollywood does get the early to mid uh, first round draft capital, whether he's wide receiver one off the board or not, um, the ceiling is kind of tantalizing. You know, he he would be rewriting the books in terms of what we think about wide receiver weight. Um, you know, there's been volumes written about, you know, why he weighed what he weighed uh, at the NFL Combine, and that's probably the lightest he'll ever be. Um, and, and I get some of that, you know, just like with Akeem Butler, there's context to, to everything. Um, and, and personally, I haven't got a chance to talk about Marquise Brown much, but I love his edge. I mean, he doesn't play like a player that weighs uh, 170 or less. You know, he plays like a, you know, he plays like he's 30 pounds heavier. Um, and, and he doesn't run around like, like he's that slight. I mean, he runs around like he's the big dog. Um, and and I I think he has that same type of swagger, um, that his big cousin has. And and so that's what I like. You know, I I think that he's going to be a guy that, um, if he hits, he's just going to really hit. Um, but there's a chance he's just JJ Nelson and, and that's, and that's scary. So, um, and and, it, it never feels good to say, eh, I trust this guy to be the first person ever to do this thing. You know, it's like if you don't like the idea that Kyler Murray is 5'10", and that keeps you from ranking him as your QB1, there's a lot of arguments as to why maybe you should ignore um, that height. But that's not a terrible argument <laughs> for for avoiding uh, putting him at QB1. Just because you you know look at NFL history and, and look at what we've got, and you just can't find the comps. Well, we can't find the comps for Marquise Brown at his size um, that tell a story that that we would want to hear. Um, and so, you know, he's he's going to continue to be just a, a, a very um, divisive prospect even after he's drafted. I, I think that you're going to see rookie drafts where he's going to go in the top five uh, in a dynasty rookie draft. And I think there's going to be drafts where he, you know, isn't even selected in the first round. Um, even if he's drafted this highly. So, um, you know, what, what do you think about some of those comps and, and, and what would you do with Brown if he went in the top 20? I, I think I would have Brown everywhere if he went in the top 20, just because of uh, what we know about the importance of uh, just draft capital by itself. Uh, but then if you look at all of his other proje- production metrics outside of uh, maybe the perfect breakout age, but if you include, let's just say, one season of his JUCO production, that that kind of cleans that aspect of his pr- production profile up a bit. Really, it's just size. For uh, for most people, it's really just size because when you, if you look at uh, his balance to his profile as far as a route runner, he checks out all the boxes in terms of versatility there, his uh, yards per reception, and just efficiency at all levels of the, of the field. It's it's inarguable. Like he's a really solid. At, at playing football like it's just by every measure um he he does a bunch of things well uh i think it's just the historical hit rate that we don't like so if if he gets the the capital which is probably the stickiest th- bit of information we have to go off of and in, in what we do 
I have to say, a lot of people are going to overlook him, and I'm probably going to, you know, he's not going to be my wide receiver one, but I'm going to nab him in the late first everywhere if he ends up top 20. But I, I don't know. I don't know what else to do with with him, really, besides just uh, kind of just say it's really just that he's small, and that's really all we have to go off of. That 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 really is negative. The rest of his profile is fine. Uh, but what I mean, do you have anything besides his size that you really dislike? Yeah, I mean, I don't like the foot injury. Yeah, the little um, man, that's I, true. I, I, I don't, I don't like that at all. Um, for a player that's going to depend on his footwork for his separation, I mean, um, the people that are lauding him are doing so because of his route running and that that he's a technician. Um, he's got the speed, but he's also um, a technician, and so you know, you you add that midfoot fracture coming into the league. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't like that. It's just, it's another question. So yeah. I'm not saying he, he's in a void for me. No. Um, and I agree he could, he could become a target if he gets the draft capital, but the that's basically, if. yeah, yeah, that's, that, that's the variable that I'm solving for at this point. Cause if, if he drops into the second, um, yeah, there's other guys that I, I think don't have, um, the body questions for me. And if he drops into the second, that almost, to me, that tells the story more of a player who's seen as, uh, he can take the lid off of uh, things for us, but not necessarily a feature of our offense. You know, and that I think that's what a second rounder really signifies. Completely. Um, if, if you're, if yeah, if you're bigger, you're, you're maybe you're a possession guy, you're a chain mover for us. If you're smaller, you're a field stretcher. If you're going to be featured, you're going to get that first round um, draft capital uh, is is the, the narrative I prescribe to. So that's what I'm looking for with Hollywood. Yeah, and one of those guys that, that doesn't necessarily have size concerns at all uh, that you actually like and really have ranked pretty highly, uh, even among other uh, fellow Dynasty Command Center ranker, rankers for quite some time, uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. And he's getting some buzz here lately from uh, even some pro football fo- focus guys and some other people that uh, – tend to know what they're talking about uh, with wide receiver analysis. So J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, besides having a really long name, uh, what else is, is cool about his profile if he does check you know, this, uh, this coveted draft capital that we keep alluding to? Well, um, first off, with J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, what I really like is that um, the things that he's good at, he doesn't just hang his hat on that. He continues to train and improve in those areas. I mean, if you read what his, his, uh, practices looked like last year, um, you know, everyone knows he was going to get the ball if they were down near, uh, the end zone. Well, they would just straight up tell the defense, we're going to throw it to JJ and they double cover him and they drape both guys on him and he'd still have to go get that ball. And, and that's how, um, he has become kind of the contested catch king. Um, and that's one of his sig- signature things, but kind of all along, he's just reminded me of a, uh, maybe a slightly budget version of, uh, Mike Evans. Mm-hmm. And, and what's really cool is, uh, our box score scout agrees. So if you look at his top 10 comps, if you get, let's give him like mid second round draft capital, like top 50, uh, his number one comp actually Deandre Hopkins. You get Leontay Carew, Cortland Sutton, Justin Blackman, Juju Smith-Schuster, Traquan Smith, Anthony Miller, Mike Evans, Sammy Watkins, and James Washington. So, I mean, that you know, we've kind of got, uh, you know, Blackman looked good before he fizzled out of the league. Out of that group, the only player that we can really say just never ended up hitting is Leontay Carew because uh, the jury's still out on a couple, and we've got a couple smashes. I mean, 
DeAndre Hopkins, Juju Smith-Schuster, Mike Evans, I'll take that comp list all day from a player that we're taking in the second round here. Yeah, those, those guys um, are okay. <laughs> yeah, just, just okay. It's not like they're dynasty cornerstones or anything. No. Um, so yeah, plenty to look, plenty to like here when we look at his profile in comparison to other recent prospects. Yeah. I think it has a much better, I mean, you got to kind of squint with these, uh, Stanford wide receivers and even tight ends, like just wait, that's a good production profile. Like, cause they just, I mean, it's not always the, the healthiest passing game. It was kind of this, this past year, a little bit better, but uh, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside does do a lot of things well, even even from a, a film perspective. Uh, it was weird that he really couldn't turn towards the sideline. That was the funny thing about his his game. He didn't really run out breaking routes. Uh, but, uh, I mean, really, he, he does a lot of the same routes that even like a Hakeem Butler does uh, in his game. Uh, so I like those comps, and I like his production profile uh, quite a bit. Uh, really, so I don't really have a bunch of JJ Arcega Whiteside questions. If he is drafted inside the top fifty, if he's if he's you know around three guy, I'm I'm not very excited, and he's not even close to wide receiver one. But if he's a first rounder, which I've seen a couple projections of him sneaking into the first rounder, I think he begins to be in that mid first round rookie range. Um, and I think for me, he's probably even if he's just fiftieth or so, he's probably still a first rounder. Uh, for me, is he a first round pick for you right now? Yeah, I think you. I think he's in consideration uh, at the one two turn. He need he needs to be in, in most formats. He could move toward the front of my second tier wide receivers. He could even leap DK Metcalf if we had a situation where if if, if he went in the first round or if if Metcalf slid. I mean, that's how that's how much I like JJ Arcega Whiteside. I mean, he could easily end up. Could easily end up, I guess, as my number three or number four overall, uh, depending on what what happens in uh, in the NFL draft next week. For sure, and a few other guys that uh, I know have been kind of buzzing lately. Uh, that the real draft folks tend to like more so than uh, some production profile uh, fans and things like that. Uh, people that don't subscribe to just film analysis. Uh, as as their go to for ranking these prospects, Miles Boykin is a guy who's kind of been standing out like crazy. Uh, Debo Samuel is still getting pumped as a potential round one guy. Paris Campbell even got mocked in, in round one in a couple spots. These guys don't have perfect uh, profiles, but Miles um, Boykin. I, I was just joking with Curtis. I actually have an old Debbie share of Miles Boykin. Uh, people forget, but he was actually a really highly touted recruit coming into college he just happened to sadly go to Notre Dame where wide receivers who want a a decent uh, production profile uh, have to just uh, give up on that and and uh, and just hope that that they have decent traits enough to to get a look from NFL uh, scouts but I I really I'm I'm questioning the the just late last second buzz from Boykin just because of his incredible combine performance Uh, where would you I mean if he does surprise us and goes, let's just say top 50. Uh, is he going to be somebody who just jettisons up your board or, or are you just kind of probably not going to have much of Boykin this year? Yeah. I mean, he's not a player I'm going to, going to reach for. I I did select him. I had a draft two weeks ago and I, he had slid to the early third and I traded up uh, on the clock to take him at three or one. I mean, he he would become a guy that maybe would warrant like mid second round consideration, but mm-hmm. um, even even if we give him top fifty draft capital, his his comp list not too impressive. You do get a name like Chris Godwin, you get um, 
Mike Williams out of out of Clemson, even though there'd be such a disparity in draft capital there. Yeah. Um, there there's some uh, there's some weight uh, similarities and some final season production similarities there a little bit. Um, but just a really mixed bag. You get Dante Moncrief, Latimer, Treadwell, Darbo, Josh Malone, Chris Conley. Um, there's, there's, you're squinting to see the ceiling there. Um, so I, I think with him, it's not even just going to be the draft capital. You also have to take into account team situation. Is he going to realistically be able to be one of the top two, uh, wide receiver target getters on that squad? Who's the quarterback? Is it an offensive coordinator that's going to scheme for him, or is it a run-heavy scheme where they're just going to have him, uh, you know, running uh, streaks all day? Yeah. Um, so I, I think a lot of probably NFL context is going to be important to really truly understand Miles Bork, Miles Boykin's uh, dynasty upside here. Yeah, and it's just kind of a huge question mark. I know you like Paris Campbell and Debo Samuel. Uh, if those guys go first round, do they have to be first round picks in rookie drafts too? Um, I, I think they're one, two turn guys. Um, I, I think neither one of them, I don't think either one of them is, uh, an NFL wide receiver, like team wide receiver one. Yeah. I, I same page. I, I don't, I don't see that either. I, I think like Debo with what he's good at, I think like a smash, a smash outcome for him would be like what Cooper cup has done so far. Um, working the middle of the field, um, finding those open spots in the red zone, being a target down there. Um, I, I think he he can be he can put up some early production. Paris Campbell, uh, not only is he going to need the the draft capital, he's going to be a team situation guy. You oh, know, yeah. like um, imagine imagine Paris Campbell and Kansas City Chief Red and Tyreek Hill suspended for the year. Okay, so um, that would just have me salivating. Um, but stick Paris Campbell on the Jacksonville Jaguars, um, and I will cry <laughs> myself to sleep every night <laughs> until his first contract is up. So um, I really do love uh, Paris Campbell. I think that um, he's being overlooked. I, I know that you know the film heads don't like that. You know he didn't run um, the full route tree, and that you know he didn't have many targets down the field. I get it. Um, but I've watched every Ohio State Buckeyes game that he ever played, and he played the role in the offense he was asked to play. I mean, it's the same thing that we could have said about Curtis Samuel, uh, who ended up with the draft capital, um, the same offense that Michael Thomas um, did not have the, the huge production numbers in. I mean, Paris Campbell, uh, his numbers this year, he had the best numbers ever by an Urban Meyer uh, wide receiver in that role Uh when Meyer was coaching a power five team. So look at Meyer's Florida and Ohio state careers and all the players who have come out of those systems, high draft capital guys, Paris Campbell's season was the best of any of them. Uh, and he still has the ability to run the ball, uh, weapon in the return game, although he didn't do as much, um, in his final season. So, um, I, I really like this player and, um, I've even got a side bet with, uh, uh, Kyle Francis, uh, from in the dynasty command center and, um, said that he would be, uh, a round two pick. Um, this is way back in like December, January when we're doing volume one. And uh, I, I'm pretty, I'm feeling pretty confident about that 50 spot coming my way. Um, so I'll be shaking Kyle down at this point uh, <laughs> next week, I think for that, for that payment, <clears throat> be ready for that, uh, Mr. But anyway, 
uh, Debo and Paris, um, plenty to like there. I think they're round round one, round two guys. I don't know that either one of them could do anything to break into like maybe like my top eight. Yeah. So th- they're really just they're like nine to fifteen range, um, and I don't think much would change that unless they really slid in the draft. Well, that's about all the time we have. For this week's episode, we'll try to get one more in before the NFL draft here for you guys. Uh, Definitely check out the Rookie Guide. The third edition is going to be coming out here very soon after the NFL draft. Going to have just tons of good stuff. You can check out the first two volumes that have already come out. Uh, You can actually get your copies over at DynastyCommandCenter.com. But Curtis, thanks again for joining me this week as you have for every week for a bit now. And you can, uh, everyone, everyone, all you listeners can find Curtis on Twitter at CPatrickNFL. I'm Travis May at FF underscore Travis M. And thanks again for joining us for another Dynasty Command Center podcast. And until next time, keep living that dynasty life. Call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz summer event, like the 2019 C-Class sedan and GLC SUV, the perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz summer event, now serving limited time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. The Gap Factory Labor Day sale is happening now. Hurry in for the best deals of the season. 40 to 75% off everything. Plus doorbusters August 30th through September 2nd only. Tees from $4.99. Logo styles from $16.99. And jeans from $19.99. Shop in-store today at Gap Factory or at GapFactory.com. They call you the grill master. You've seared the thickest porterhouse in the butcher shop. And as you lift that first forkful to your mouth, you savor the moment. To get amazing offers during the Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, like the 2019 C-Class Sedan and GLC SUV, the perfect recipes of driving performance. Plus, you can enjoy six months of Sirius XM All Access included. The Mercedes-Benz Summer Event, now serving limited time offers on a select lineup of vehicles. Offers end September 3rd. Mercedes-Benz, the best or nothing. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game-changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, You won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.